founder of Drizzle Academy. I am going to encourage and motivate you to take action towards your big goals. I'm going to teach you everything I've learned from building a very successful 25-year career, coaching people, and starting my own online business. I am going to give you so many action items, you are going to be able to wonder boldly. Thank you so much, Natalie, for joining us today. I reached out to Natalie because I knew I wanted to do this interview series with folks who have started their own business. Natalie and I met a few months back in a coaching program that we were both in, and I was just so impressed with her and the company that she started because she would talk about it there a little bit. And it just was something that I thought I wanted to share with my audience here because I think a lot of the things that we talk about and people think about starting their own business, okay, I'm going to be a life coach or maybe a yoga instructor or whatever it is, all are great and good things. Um, And in addition, there's also other avenues that you can take if you're looking to start your own business. Definitely there are challenges along the way and definitely there are um, things, you know, I think some of the misconception and Natalie jump in and and let me know what you think about this, but is that you can make your own hours and that you can work from wherever you want and all that sort of glamorous, I'll call it stuff. Um, But there is a lot of hard work. There's a lot of perseverance. There's a lot of sometimes, you know, you, you feel down and you feel like, is this really worth it? And you got to just keep going and persevering. So with that said, I wanted to do these interview series so I could share with you these people that I've had the pleasure of meeting and knowing and have them share their experience and make you kind of think about, you know, how can you wonder boldly and start really taking action? So with all of that said, thank you, Natalie, so much for joining us. Can you tell my audience a little bit about yourself and how you decided to start your company? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to stay connected with you after our coaching experience and kind of see how each other are growing into our, you know, next version of our own selves. So thank you for having me. Um, In terms of my business, my mission is to help organizations create better places to work by aligning their people's drives and motivations with the right job, manager, team, and overall organizational culture. So We do that using science to understand people um, and what influences their drives and ultimately leads to their behaviors at work. And when we can align those with the job in the organization, people are happier and more satisfied in their job and the company also performs better. So it's really important to look at the needs of the people and their own success and how that affects their families and their overall life. But also the organization has to be successful too. And that's kind of what drove my... um, career prior to uh, making this shift. So just as an example, if you manage people and someone is underperforming, uh, we don't really stop to think maybe this is the right person for the job and I'm just not managing them the right way. Uh, And if we do think that, that takes some self-awareness, but we also don't know how to manage the person the right way and they don't know how to articulate what they mean. So we use uh, assessments, we do training and workshops, um, management training as well, 
to help solve problems like that um, and reduce employee turnover, help build better teams and foster strategic alignment amongst those teams. Um, it really helps drive empathy and understanding about the people that you work with on a day-to-day -day basis as well. And actually one thing we are working on a lot lately is around team design and understanding the strengths and blind spots of every individual on your team, as well as the team of a whole. So what does the behavioral makeup of the team look like? And then once we understand that, we look at the strategic initiatives that the team is pursuing and see how that lines up. The results are a better understanding of who can step up in certain areas based on their natural working strengths and where as a team, we might need to address some gaps and maybe hiring another person that's the right fit or getting the team to at least recognize potential challenges so they can work on a plan to avoid them. And that's something that's been really huge in this arena now where we're talking about companies going fully back to work, um, managing remote teams, and then especially managing hybrid teams when you have 10 in the room and 10 on Zoom, as they say. So there's a lot kind of going on in this world right now. And it's been really fun to help organizations uh, figure out how to manage people to better bring out their strengths. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I'm so excited about this topic. Um, as my audience knows, besides my own coaching business, I also work in corporate and have a nine to five job. I am in upper management and dealing with these types of things. So I'm, I'm so happy to dive into these topics. And something you just said there, just one specific point. So I have been managing remote teams for quite some time now. And that is something where we had to make a shift. So what would happen is the people that were physically in one building would get into an office, and then the people that were remote, whether they're in another state or even another building in the same state, would call into Zoom, if you will, from their desk. So they're alone is my point, you know, so there. And that for us never seemed to create that sense of team because what happens, as you know, you're nodding, is the people in the room are having side conversations you know, there, maybe even after you hang up, then something comes up, you are like, oh, oh, we didn't think about that. And so those people that are physically in the room are having a different experience than the people that are sitting at their desk, their home, wherever, and meeting with those folks in the room. And what we instituted was that if you're having a team meeting and some of the folks aren't physically there, everybody sits at their own workstation, their own. So it's everybody is a one person looking at their computer as opposed to all getting into a room. Yeah. And that eliminated a lot of that, you know, and sometimes it's hard, especially personality. I mean, there's so much personality types, you know, they have something to say, but they're not somebody who's going to jump in and try to get their voice heard. Then to the topic I was already mentioning, the other conversations. So I find that really interesting. Is that something that you have found as well in your work? Yes. And I tried in the beginning of all this, uh, when I started delivering workshops remotely, to do one that had a group of people in a room together and then a few people that were on computers. And it is, and I was on the computer too. 
it was challenging for me as the presenter to stay connected with the people in the room because I couldn't hear what they were saying to each other or what their answers were. And, and there are ways technologically, I guess, to make that better. But it is very ostracizing to some of the people there. Uh, on another level, you know, the behavioral profiles that I work with, there's one um, drive that we look at, which is extroversion. And people who are high in extroversion really like that connection and they need the face-to-face -face kind of interaction. But an interesting fact about people with low extroversion is that they need time to think things through. And if they don't have all of the information about what this meeting is going to be about or what they should be bringing to the table, they're not going to speak up during that meeting. And so even technologic, technological things aside, personality-wise, they're not going to speak up. And the, they're the ones, and I am one, that will send you an email two hours later and say, hey, that thing we were talking about in the meeting, you know, I, I have something to say about that. But at that point, everybody else has kind of steamrolled the conversation. So using the behavioral profiles has really helped in, in that way and some others in helping managers understand who needs what and what they can provide them in order to be more successful in that hybrid communication scenario. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And so taking a step back a little bit, I just get, get so excited about this topic. When you decided to start your own company, um, how did you like come up with the idea? Did you hire a team immediately? How, how did you make it happen? Like, how did you go about it? Sure. So my background is really in sales and marketing and the uh, advent of the outstanding company came from being laid off three times in a row. So sometimes your challenges create opportunities, I guess is a good way to put that. I just was kind of tired of being at the mercy of other people. And the layoffs were because of an acquisition. There were two strategic shifts. Um, sometimes leaders are not being sure what where they wanted to take the company. And uh, that was a little bit too tumultuous for me. So with my experience in sales and marketing, I started this company. And uh, a few months later, I was approached by a friend of mine who said, you know, I think you should check out this company, the Predictive Index. Um, they will give you an opportunity to add human resources to your uh, consulting offerings, like sales marketing, and then Predictive Index is what I use now for the behavioral cognitive assessments. Um, and that's uh, the tool that I employ. Um, but I fell in love with it and I decided that that's where I wanted to focus all my efforts. And that's why I'm pursuing a doctor degree in industrial organizational psychology um, because rather than helping the company grow by selling things, I'm now able to help a company grow by helping their people become better at their jobs and get more aligned to do the things that are best suited to them. So mm -hmm. I, I do feel like I'm really pursuing my passion now. And it only took me until, you know, my late thirties to figure that out. And that's fine. But <laughs> Yeah. To your question about hiring people, no, I uh, I do work with uh, an assistant and some freelancers and some other consultants. Uh, so I have a really good group of people surrounding me, but I didn't just go out and hire a team. And as you can imagine, coming off three layoffs, I also wasn't swimming in money. So right. you don't 
to have a whole lot of capital to start something either necessarily, unless you're of course selling um, tangible products. But if you're, you know, in the knowledge world or services world, uh, you can get started with very little. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's absolutely my feeling as well. And one of the struggles, and I think that my audience might be thinking is marketing and getting your product, whatever that is. I don't mean a tangible product, your service or, you know, what that knowledge out there. And I just know they're thinking to themselves, well, she had that experience. She knows how to market and sell. Um, what would you say to that? How, how do you, I guess, what would you say to that? And then how do you market and sell uh, your services, your company? That's very interesting. And I think when I started this, I thought the same. However, I look back on my experience as a marketing consultant and working with executives and how disconnected you can be from your marketing message that will resonate with people when you're so close to the business that you're, you know, you're so passionate about how you can do things that it doesn't always come across how you want it to, to the people who you want to work with. So that's one part of it. The other part for me, and we talked a lot about this in our coaching group was the fear of putting myself out there. What, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? How are people going to take it? They're going to be personally judging me and my character and my intelligence and everything about me based on this message that I'm sending out from LinkedIn and in these email blasts. And it was also like building an email list is hard. Um, there are a lot of challenges, but the first one is getting past the being self-conscious. And I will say through the coaching groups that I've been a part of, one of the biggest takeaways is that everyone feels that way at some point. And we had some very successful people in these groups and they still felt the same way. So that is a message I certainly want everyone to hear is that there will be some self-doubt or worry about putting yourself out there and it's, everybody feels it. So Get over it as fast as you can. I know it's easier said than done, but uh, the the quicker you can get out of your way, the more the faster you'll get to success. And how do you go about getting your clients, your customers, your so you because and just just so I'm clear, um, and and the audience understands, you work with companies, right? You're not working with an individual, or you tell us, tell us. Yeah, so I work with companies, um, primarily the C-suite, and then it kind of trickles down from there, or human resources or people operations. Um, so my clients are mostly through um, LinkedIn, word of mouth, and I do some email marketing, although um, since I've been in school, that's been slacking a bit because I'm writing dozens of pages a week for school. <laughs> so yeah, it's been very organic. Um, it is challenging to create enough content to put out there, you know, and say the things that are really going to land with people. Um, and it certainly takes some patience. Um, mm -hmm. so if you're not able to put a ton of money behind it, you just have to be diligent and personal and really try to, um, to connect with people. 
Um, I also do a lot of networking events and uh, webinars. So the webinars are helpful in at least getting, um, building an audience and getting email lists and then being able to market to those people later. Uh, and I also look for companies that I'm interested to work with. Mm. So for me, um, I, I work with any type of company, but startups are really interesting because I feel like I can have a major impact in building from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Uh, also scaling companies, you know, a lot of tech companies uh, are in that boat right now. So companies, as they grow from you know 150 to 300 people, there are a lot of growing pains there as well. Um, and then there's some companies where I'm like, oh, this company is really cool. I'm going to try to reach out to them, go on LinkedIn and find the right person to talk to. And one of the most important things that I think people should know is that you're going to get a lot of non-responsive folks and a lot of rejection. And you just have to let it roll off and realize that that person wasn't meant for you in this moment or that organization mm-hmm. wasn't meant to work with you in this moment. And it speaks nothing about what you're doing. It's just not the right thing at the time. And that took a long time to uh, click for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would you say that was one of the biggest challenges that you had? Yeah, I think finding new clients has definitely been a challenge. Um, and letting it roll off my back when there's some disappointment uh, has been challenging. And also, you know, getting to the point where I'm not thinking it would be easier to go work for someone else every day. You know, <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, there were weeks when I'm like, I don't know, am I really going to be able to do this? This is so hard. No, one's, no one wants to work with me. Um, and that doesn't completely go away. But in doing a lot of internal work, now those weeks are moments like not even a minute long. And I have a little anxiety. I'm like, this is never going to work out. And then I just let it go and move on and keep doing my work. So sticking with it is the number one, number one thing that you have to do when times are tough and you feel like it's not going to work out. If you don't stick with it, you'll never find out. Yeah. I I love that message. I think that that is uh, so important I just always coin it as perseverance. You just, you just got to keep going. So I'm going to ask you a question that I actually don't like, but I want to ask it because I know my audience is thinking it. So how long would you say it takes? How long did it take for you? Are you, uh, and if you're comfortable saying, if you're not, I can totally edit it out, but are you in a, in a spot where this is your sole income that you can support yourself? And if so, how, how long, what do you, what is that? Okay. I've tried and tried and tried. It's been five years and it's not happening. Okay. Maybe you should try something else. <laughs> um, so it has been about three years since I started the business and I am fully supporting myself with the revenue from this business. I will be honest and say it's not where I would like it to be yet, but I know that this is a process and I am getting better at it and finding new clients and um, doing new workshops and fun things all the time uh, to get to the point. So I had to make it work out of the gate because I wasn't going to. I decided on the day that I got laid off, uh, the last layoff, that I wasn't even going to apply for jobs. 
And that was because I didn't think that I would be able to make business work the way I wanted it to while focusing on something else. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the way you have to do it. You can certainly you know, do things on the side and really make them work. But for me, I needed to focus on it. Uh, I did do some marketing consulting on the side for the first probably year and a half just to make sure that I could pay the bills and all that stuff. But uh, I'm now pretty independent with um, the business and things are going are going very well. So I think after I made the shift to do what I'm doing now, it was about a year before I felt really confident that this was going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate that transparency because I think it's interesting that I think folks need the inspiration. They need the motivation. They need to hear the positive so they can continue to keep going. Um, and then there's also the balance of that. Like there's also the balance of you're not going to be making necessarily 10K, you know, months right out of the gate, you know? Um, so I think having, and that's why I love to do these episodes is having somebody who's been there, done that, and can really share what that looked like and how you supplemented by tapping into a skill you already had and, you know, just continuing to move forward, I think is really so valuable for people to hear. And like you and I chatted a little bit before we jumped on here is, Maybe for some folks, not maybe, some folks, it's just not the right fit for sure. And, and that's okay too, right? That's okay. I mean, you, I'm sure you work with wonderful people that are working for organizations and they are they enjoy their job or they're looking to advance their career. So it's not, you know, definitely it's not a one size fits all. Um, but for the people that are like kind of thinking about and wanting to try, Yeah. And even in the behavior profiles that I work with, we see very clearly people who are risk averse and people who are totally comfortable with risk. And I'll share something that I have remembered since I went to college um, regarding taking risks is that I was nervous. Um, But I went to college at Arizona State. I was really nervous about going so far away and not knowing anybody and all that. And someone told me that you can always go back. You know, if it doesn't work out, there's no shame in trying something and deciding that it's not for you and going back to where you came from or going back to something that's more comfortable for you. And so the same applies when you're starting your own business. Why not give it a try if you can, um, if you have something that you're passionate about and you can always go back to working for someone else. And some people feel like there might be some shame involved in that, but there's absolutely not because you took the risk. You put yourself out there, you tried to make it work. And a lot of businesses don't work out, but there's, if you put in the effort and, you know, stick with it, give it some time, there's a high likelihood that you will start to move the needle and become more confident and be able to do more things with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. I love that. Thank you. Um, what would you say are the biggest benefits? So we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. And one of um, what you were saying was one of the misconceptions is like, I can work whenever I want. I can do whatever. And I will say that that is, I think, in that regard, a little bit not quite true. Um, but there is an element of freedom that comes with it. So you get in, you get out of it what you put into it. 
So if you do want to make your own hours and work three hours a day and live that lifestyle, then you might not get out of it as much as you know, you'd know you like to, but you do have that freedom still. Um, for me personally, I really, in, on the freedom uh, note, I really like being able to go visit my family for a couple of weeks and be able to completely work from there. But a lot of people are getting that from remote work now too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, what I love is being able to help people and organizations in my own way and pursue something that really brings me joy um, and on my own terms. And I, I think that's really what I get out of it is just being able to do it in my own way and um, bring my own personality to the table instead of kind of following the guidelines of a bigger corporation or or company that's really instructing you on what you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, so I think that, you know, that's one of the things also generally speaking about corporate that you hear people saying in that, you know, you are working for somebody else. You know, there's that famous saying, I forget how it goes. I kind of like it and I kind of don't, but it's like, it's like you could work for yourself or, or make somebody else rich. You could work for yourself, make yourself rich or that one, you know, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, um, but some people do enjoy structure, do enjoy, okay, I know I've got to start time, nine to five and time. And then that other time is, is my time to do whatever I choose to do. Um, so again, the messaging here isn't um, right or wrong. It's about what is a fit? And it's about inspiring folks that are thinking about it to, to try it out. Um, and I will add, and, and I want your opinion, I will add, I'm using the term try it out. I don't think if you're really looking to truly start your own business, be profitable, it's more than probably the definition of try it out. It's not like you can kind of dabble and see, oh, did it work out in six months? Because that probably is not going to happen, but that doesn't mean that it wouldn't work out. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that you can absolutely try it out by starting to build the foundational blocks of the business. You create your vision, what you want to do, um, you know, file for your LLC or whatever you want the company structure to be. Um, start reaching out to people you know and finding out if this is something that they might be interested in and really getting a feel for what it could look like when you are able to, you know, fully commit to it. Um, and then that can takes away the feeling of risk a little bit. And when you're ready to, if you do, leave your job and go do this full time, then you're more confident in your ability to make money. And um, it definitely does take um, t- some learning, um, some confidence to in yourself to think like, I know how to make money without somebody paying me a paycheck every week. And that's a big step. Um, but there's a lot of things that you can do in order to lay that groundwork um, to, to make yourself more confident in um, taking the leap. Thank you. So as we sort of close up today, what is, what is a message that you think um, you would want to share with my audience about starting your own business, trying it out, taking the leap? What do you want to leave them with today? Two things. 
One is you don't have to be everything to everybody. So find something that's passionate or that you're passionate about that speaks to a group of people or an organization or whatever it is or your product is. Um, And it can be very niche because you want to be able to connect with people directly um, and in a way that gets them excited. Um, And the other is don't focus on how much money you're going to have to spend and don't go crazy when you first start your business because I did. And that's one of the biggest takeaways. I thought I needed HubSpot and this, you know, customer management or CRM um, system. And I didn't, all of this stuff can be managed in, you know, Google docs or Excel spreadsheets until you get to the point where you can actually afford those things. So it actually is better for you to start by spending less money than it is to go in with a ton of capital. Like I said, unless you're, you need to build a product or something, but um, yeah, be frugal when you start out. I love that advice. I love that so much because I too, I thought the bigger the ticket, the bigger the the price, the better, and that's going to excel my business. Um, so I bought the expensive tools and I'm not going to name any because I actually really like the tools that I have, but I didn't need them so early on. Um, so I love that advice. And there is so much out there that's free. Like and when you're just starting out, like you, you know, again, I don't want to name any names, but there are many you can just search. There are so many out there that are absolutely free. And if you're just starting out, keep being frugal, I think is just a wonderful message. I love that. Thank you for that. I don't think I would have articulated it so well, but it's absolutely true. Like the amount of money you're like, okay, I'm going to get that tool. And then that tool, oh, that's now I'm going to be successful. (laughs) You don't have clients for a couple of months because you're just starting out and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm spending all this money on this tool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. That adds to the stress and anxiety. So I guess the overarching message there is keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Tell us how folks can find you. They're listening to this. They want to find out more. How can folks find you? And I'll obviously link it below and all that good stuff. Great. Yeah. Um, The website is theoutstandingcompany.com. If you'd like to reach me directly, it's natalie at theoutstandingcompany.com. I'm also on LinkedIn as Natalie Grogan. And you can find me either through the Outstanding Company page or my own. Um, page, but I am, um, I'd love to talk to anybody. And if you are a manager or actually a leadership team, anybody who manages people, uh, I had mentioned we're doing a lot of team kind of discovery work now. And I would love to do like a free one-on-one session with any of your listeners that might be um, interested in learning more about the dynamics of their team. Thank you so much. I love that. Well, thank you again so much. I really appreciate your time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share it. You can take a quick screenshot and share it on Facebook or Instagram. You can find me there at Christine Santos Coach. Until next time, continue to wonder boldly.